Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got Mars. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. Hey everybody! What's up? And welcome back to another episode with the Jersey Ghouls. That's right, and tonight we have a very special guest with us. Yes, from uh, Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, we have Morgan joining us tonight. Hello, it's me, Morgan Miller from the uh, Maximum Mediocrity Podcast. No, we had the uh, pleasure of meeting at a podcast panel that we were all loosely involved in at Geekdomcom. Yes. And tonight we're here to talk about one of my all-time, all-time favorite authors and two of his, what I think are lesser talked about works. And yeah, under and, and I don't quite understand why. I mean, maybe due to the heavy content of what's going on in the plot, but I mean, definitely well-known. Yeah. We're, tonight we're going to talk about Stephen King's Misery and Dolores Claiborne. Morgan, we, we kind of are lucking out to have you on this episode because I know you're kind of like a connoisseur of all things Stephen King. I absolutely love that man. Oh, me too. Um, actually, it's funny because Jackie uh, was asking me before we came on if you were going to misery any celebrity in the world, like kidnap them and hold them ransom, who would it be? And I got to be honest, Stephen King was the one that jumped into my head. <laughs> uh, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, if you were going to Paul Sheldon anybody, you're, you're just going to Paul Sheldon Stephen King? Yeah, I feel like he'd escape immediately, though. Yeah, he would definitely outwit me, I feel like. <laughs> um, all right, so let's let's dive into Misery. Well, Misery all takes place, like, it starts in Sidewinder with Paul Sheldon finishing up his, um, his latest novel that he's trying to release, uh, Fast Cars. And um, he's driving drunkenly down these back, uh, back roads, and he crashes his car... And he's saved by a nurse, Annie Wilkes. It goes from there where you think she is taking care of him. And it's funny because the one thing she says constantly is, I'm your number one fan. I'm your number one fan. And at first it's like, oh, that's nice. You know, thank you for saving me. This is really nice. And it soon really starts to spiral into just psychotic, obsessive behavior. Yep. And um, one of my personal favorite things about this is um, I'm going to just jump right in here and say that I have given up cursing. Now, this might shock you all. I know that I have the potty mouth of the Jersey Ghouls. But from now on, I'm just going to call things cock and And I have changed my ways, and I now see how important it is for your own mental health to use appropriate language. Wow. Yeah. You're real cock and <laughs> Yeah, so all show long. Anytime I feel the urge to drop an F-bomb, which is usually every, like, 25 seconds, <laughs> I'm going to sub with any Wilkes-approved word instead. All right, well, fuck, let's roll with it. All right, let's do it. <laughs> I'm not going to take that vow. I like my curse word. I don't see anything wrong with my curse words. You can keep your cock because you're a dirty bird. I am a dirty bird, and that's <laughs> I will remain a dirty birdie. All right, so this is a 1990 film from Rob Reiner. My, I guess my first question is, how much does this stray from the book? Uh, not too much. Like, there's, um, the two, like, really gruesome scenes, like, when she, um, where she, uh, breaks his ankles. In the book, she actually cuts off his left foot. Ah, a little more permanent. 
Yes. And uh, a little later in the book, she says something to displease him uh, or displease her. She um, he complains about the typewriter that she uh, gave him. So she cuts off his thumb and puts it on a birthday cake and serves it to him. Damn. I mean, oh, <laughs> cock duty <laughs> So, wow, that's cool. I kind of wish that were in the movie. And the first thing I'm going to throw out there is Kathy Bates, is lit- who stars in both of these films, is literally a national treasure. It's actually her breakout movie, Misery, is. I think this is what really established her as a powerhouse. It did, and she ended up walking away with an Oscar for this role, and... Historically, it was the first time that a female lead won an Oscar for a horror movie. Her performance was amazing. I, like, truly believe that she was Annie Wilkes. Yeah, I think that's what I love so much about her, is that whichever role she takes on, I fully just, that's her to me. Um, You know what I mean? Like, she's one of those actresses that no matter how iconic the role, the next one, I'm like, oh, yeah, now she's this. Yeah. She absolutely, I I said to Marissa earlier today that I think that Misery, above so many others, I think this is hands down one of the most perfect thrillers because it truly does keep you on the edge of your seat. If you've never seen it before, if you like know the general story, but not the details, this truly keeps you on the edge of your seat as to, is he going to escape? How is he going to escape? The scene when he breaks out of the room for the first time using the bobby pin to pick the lock and then she's coming back from the store at the same time and he's trying to get back to the room and it absolutely i think is like a practically perfect thriller movie yeah like you're definitely rooting for paul sheldon the whole time like i hope he escapes i know he's going to escape i mean there's no way he's going to die in this situation and she annie wilkes is just such a haunting villain to me for a couple of reasons. And and I know you guys are going to laugh at me on this one, but the first thing that scares the cockadoody out of me is the fact that she doesn't curse. (laughs) It's like, she has this like forced, innocent, sweet thing that just just speaks so perfectly to her psychosis. And it scares the pantalones off of me. (laughs) I don't know why, but I don't trust people who don't curse. So... See, another reason why you should not go on this cockamamie, cockadoody, cockadoody, dirty birdie scheme to not say care for it. This is just you shouldn't live the Annie Wilkes life. Don't do it. Don't do it. No, I can't do it. I just can't. It just feels too good to say the other words. But I also wanted this as just a elaborate scheme to make you say cock a lot. So, (laughs) and the other thing I found so fascinating about her is that. You say, like, it's all Paul Sheldon. I agree with you. But there were, I'm going to own up to the fact that there were moments where her, like, she just played, Kathy Bates plays it so well that you're, like, you, like, feel, I felt bad for her at moments. There are definitely points in the book where you feel bad for her, where she, like, actually feels bad about what she's done. And she, like, brings him a Sunday or something to make up for what she's done. It's like, that does not make up for you cutting off my thumb, asshole. <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Okay, so here's my weird story of why I, I could sympathize with her more than I want to admit. When she came in the room after he did his goofy rewrite for her, and she was like, she's alive, she's alive, misery. Like, I have had that strong of an emotional connection to fictional characters before. I get it. Uh, Also, in the book, you get to, like, hear the story that he writes, which is kind of cool. That is really cool. Because I can see myself getting into misery. (laughs) Oh, it's great, actually. She uh, she dies due to a, um, a bee sting. 
and it turns out that she had a sister that had the same condition. So she was buried alive. They dig her back up. Somehow she didn't die being buried three days in a row. I'm not asking questions. Um, no, I'm glad you explained that because like when she said it in the movie, I had a hard time wrapping my brain around it. But now it makes a little more sense. I don't know. I, f- I do. I feel myself feeling bad for Annie at random moments. The other part of this movie that boils my biscuits every time, and I know this is such a Stephen King trope, and I love him for it, but to me there's no better definition of horror, is when he sets me up with characters who are adorable side characters, and I inevitably fall in love with them. Like the the sheriff and his, I, don't, I guess- Buster, yeah. Buster in Virginia. Yes. Oh, look at you busting out their names. Because I wrote it down, Buster in Virginia, there's a heart, and it says so cute. I know they're fucking they are they really are so cute and i love them and he's a good cop like there's no keystone bullshit here he's like a really good investigator and all of that for him to just get fucking killed and stephen king does that to me so often it's not even funny um i'll be honest i hadn't watched misery i didn't rewatch it for this i watched it maybe two years ago does he uh does the inspect uh does the cop also get ran over with the lawnmower in the movie? Mm-mm. No, she shoots him. He literally discovers Paul Sheldon at the bottom of the stairs of the basement, and Annie comes up directly behind him and close range with a shotgun, like, blasts his chest out. See, in the book, she, like, makes it so he can't get away and then runs him over with the with their uh, her riding mower. Oh, man, that's, that's harsh. <laughs> Dude. And he never finds Paul, uh, Paul Sheldon. Oh, really? He, he throws something out of the window, and she comes back inside and is like, you see what you made me do? <laughs> Dude, I, I'm sad that these parts weren't in the movie. It's, well, you know it's what? so villainous. I don't know. Like, learning that in the book she cuts off a foot. <laughs> I, you know what? Like, yes, that is definitely more gruesome. But that image that they show in the movie of her hobbling him, where you see his ankle just go in that wrong direction, I feel like that is worse than just seeing, like, if if we were to just see a foot being cut off, yes, that's gruesome. But to see that foot and that ankle just bend in the absolute other direction, I think was beautiful. Like, that to me is way worse than losing a foot. I know it's less permanent, but that image is... it's iconic it's iconic but i think it's worse i think that is a worse fate than just having your foot cut off listen to me talking all that my ass about like having body parts removed but i'm just saying from a viewer standpoint that's 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 my thoughts on that i also think it would be worse like in real life also because i mean she's not going to splint it right so it's going to heal all funky and he's going to have weird like ankles after that he'll probably have to have them amputated anyways i am not squeamish and i don't look away from much i've been watching horror movies my whole life but man the scene gets me yeah it to just see that ankle snap and then flop Blech. so so morgan you probably know this but i just learned this upon uh looking into the information for this episode but apparently king never spoke much about this book and then 20 years after he released the book he finally said that annie's character was an elaborate metaphor for substance abuse and the power it holds over us and like the evils that it puts you through. Yes. He has like this whole this whole like series of books where he like doesn't remember re- uh, writing them at all. This that and the third and then he writes this book 
And I thought it was a really beautiful metaphor for substance abuse. Yeah, I think so too. Like it kind of gave me a whole new appreciation of like the idea of being held captive and being so disabled by something and really it's your own inner demons and like the feeling of being so isolated and alone when you're going through something like that. I mean, I can't speak to it personally, but I can only imagine that it's a really apt metaphor. He's also an addict in the book. Um because she gets him addicted to all the uh, dopamine that she keeps feeding him. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Because, yeah, they definitely pl- like hint and play around with that, but never say it outright. And that makes sense, you know? Because, like, in the in the movie, he does beg for the pills at some point. Right. Yeah, but he, he, um, he kind of starts to catch on. And that's when he starts to hide the pills and, and cheek the pills. Mm-hmm. And because he, he wants to be his cognitive self. So he yeah. can start to plan the escape. Him taking the pills muddies his mind, so it makes it harder for him to write the book. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. But it's funny, too, because, like, I feel like when you look at, like, Stephen King common tropes, uh, first of all, I have to admit, his Coke-Haze Days books are some of my favorites. They're amazing. <laughs> yeah, like, they are off the rails at times, those, those couple of books, but, man, are they a fun ride. When he goes through all the pain of hiding the, uh, hiding the drugs, getting the knife, all the practice like that he does only to wake up and she's taken it all. Like that's such a Stephen King thing. It makes your heart drop. It does. I had to like set the book down. I was like, God damn it. He went through all this trouble, erased all of the marks that he made on his way out to uh, collect all this garbage. And now she's just like, I found it all. Now you're going to lose your feet. I I know it's like no better way to set up dread because you go through that process with them, and he does this in a couple of his of his couple of his books and films. Like you watch this person go through so much painstaking, wonderful thought and effort, only to have it just shattered in two seconds, and in his case, literally shattered yes. in two seconds. <laughs> I saw this movie a long time ago, and I pretty much kind of forgot everything that happened. Like again, I knew the basic plot, but I forgot the details. I barely wrote stuff down just because I was so, so wrapped up in this movie and just on the edge of my seat. Like I was there, you know, with Paul, with your heart fluttering and is he going to get out? And he's like, he's so close. Like that scene when he sees the cop pull up, you know, and then the moment that he sees the cop pull up and he comes running in with that needle to knock him out. And you think like, he's just so close. He's just, you know, with with him sitting at that window, and now you guys talking about the metaphor of of Annie being addiction, that really also just kind of breaks my heart because just thinking of him sitting at that window, literally a piece of glass is like separating him from his freedom. Like he can see freedom right there out the window. He literally can see the world outside and he is completely incapable of getting to it. And like, it's such a torturous thing to think that you are you're that like you can see it it's it's just out of reach and all you can do is sit back and watch the world around you while you're stuck in this isolated immobile nightmare yeah yeah and another thing that i love while we wrap up misery is like i love the theme here of how unhealthy our obsessions are with not only fictional characters but also with celebrities i have the same note because i mean uh, and I'm guilty of this. Like, I'm an English teacher. I am a literature person through and through. There are characters who I truly believe are my friends. Like, somewhere deep down in my subconscious, Harry Potter and all those guys, they're my buddies. Yeah. And, like, 
<laughs> and like, I know that I get in these weird places where like I take on these characters as not only moral compasses for myself, but also as like companionship. And I know that about myself. And I know that that's not exactly the most healthy way to be. But as an introvert who'd way rather stay home with a book than go out any given night, I can't help it. And this movie kind of like messes with my head a little bit in that way. And also looking at our world and how we're so freaking obsessed with celebrities and who cares? Yeah. The only celebrities I care about are Betty White and Stephen King, just about. Oh my God. That's, those are two celebrities I legitimately love. (laughs) When those two people die, I'll have to call into work and be like, my grandparents died. Can't come in. (laughs) I know. You know, I had that thought when we were, when I was prepping for this episode, I was like, the dick because like even his new stuff like have you read the outsider yet it was absolutely amazing i loved it i loved everything about it but let's move on to dolores claiborne because i'm kind of pumped to talk about this one this is my first watch of dolores claiborne and god damn was that intense that was intensity like i truly did not know anything about this outside of the you know, brief synopsis on on Google, you know, of what it was before I rented the movie. And good God, was I hit with, I mean, it, it was brilliant. Again, Kathy Bates doing a phenomenal job in this movie. And I mean, it was just so, so well done. And the themes are so heavy and everything that's happening. And it's, kind of a bummer but at the same time it's amazing there are moments where you laugh in the movie you cry in the movie i didn't actually cry but you could i could have done it if if i had put my mind to it i could have brought tears to my eyes (laughs) no i agree with you and and it's funny because like jackie was way more moved by this than she usually is because usually we message each other when we're done watching and usually it's a bunch of bs jokes and crap but she was like dude wow dude And she was like, I don't even think you're going to be able to make your jokes. So I'm going to make a couple of my jokes real quick just to get them out of the way. I can't wait. (laughs) First of all, her insults to the the detective were my favorite. I like want to write them down and keep them in my pocket. (laughs) They were great. They were so good. Like I actually wrote one down, my favorite one. My favorite one was when she goes, what's your equivalent of a bad day? What happened? You went to use the toilet and the string on your pet dime broke. Like, (laughs) If I said that to someone, it would take them a good hour to absorb just how fucking insulting it was. (laughs) And then there was another point where she said something to him that was basically like the equivalent of being like, I don't come to your corner and tell you how to give head. And I was like, this is literally, she just has the best burns. Like, oh my God, I love Dolores Claiborne. I want to hang out with her. Dolores Claiborne was one of those people that I like became attached to when I read the book. Like, I mourned at the end of the book because not only does she lose like her husband, everybody she's ever cared about, but she loses the affection of her daughter in doing like the only thing she could have thought to do to protect her daughter. Huh? Yeah. I, I, I have to admit I hated the ending and it, it calls to my secret need for happily ever after. Um, which is weird. Cause you would think as a Stephen King fan that I would know better. <laughs> This book doesn't give you any happy ending just about. No, not at all. It's so, so grim. And it's such, you're right. It's like heartbreaking. If I would have worked harder, I probably would have cried too. And and it was so intensely thematic and I can't wait to unpack it all. So um, 
I mean, I don't even think this needs a synopsis. I don't want to give anything away. Just it's the story of a woman and she's accused of a murder. And she, she you know, you question whether or not she actually murders anybody, including yeah, her husband. She's got a bit of a past. So that also calls her guilt into question with her past. And yeah, her daughter, her daughter, her daughter. daughter. Will you go to the, the school that they all went to for terrible accents or what? <laughs> Yeah, the daughter uh, comes up from New York to uh, Maine. Maine, yeah, of course. Stephen King, of yeah, course, Maine. The daughter comes from comes up from New York to basically. Uh, honestly, she comes up to find I just, out. Can if- I just just a quick question? I just synopsized it. Why are you now going back and re-synopsizing? No, I'm just trying to add some things in. <laughs> no, this is, why yeah. we, this is why we never get our synopsis right. Right, but no, two, I'm done. I hope you don't mind two hours. Go ahead, Jackie. Tell them the whole story. <laughs> I hope you got an extra five hours to spare Morgan. <laughs> oh, I do. I have nothing planned. I just have this notebook filled with notes about Dolores Claiborne. Well, you know what? Again, this is one where I have very few notes because I got sucked in. So you go right ahead. What 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 is some of the first stuff you've got going? Um, the book and the movie open up differently, and I absolutely love how the book is told because it's her in the uh, police station just telling her whole life story, start to finish. Dolores. Yes, Dolores. Oh, I'd much rather that than Helena in New York. And also, in the book, she has three children. Three. Wow. I feel like that would be drastic. Like, that would be such yeah, a Yeah, that, that changes a lot of stuff. And the father, like, impacts them all differently. And it's really... Selena obviously gets it the worst, because, you know, molestation. Um, Dude, that scene, I, I tell you what, like, I, I get, I, I'm not a big fan of, you know, those types of scenes. Obviously, I don't know anybody who is, but <laughs> I don't know why I had to preface it with that. But um, for some reason, I like, wanted to crawl under a rock. Like, just, oh, God, that's so, I think they all did such good acting. Yeah. Yes. That, that was, like, a mark of a good scene is when you want to take, like, that hot shower afterwards just to wash it away. That was without it being exploitative. Like they don't show anything. It's all in the emotion the characters put into it. I think the absolute best moment in the movie for me, acting wise, is when um, uh, Kathy Bates is taking care of the woman that plays Vera Donovan. Yes. And I felt goosebumps all over. She's just sitting in her chair, screaming, just so upset she can't do anything about it and then she just gets this little pig and is just like soothed oh my god i know i was so thoroughly disturbed by that whole scene like reading that is so different than seeing that yeah i'd imagine i'd I, like it must have been so was it pretty accurate to the book uh no <laughs> <laughs> of course not um but yeah no that that whole scene was haunting dude like, I, and like, not only that, like, I'm not one to fear growing old, but I am afraid of growing old and like losing my shit. I would not be okay with being old like that. I'd rather just die in my sleep and nobody change a poopy diaper from me ever. Oh, same track. Oh, yeah. 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 I, 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 I can agree to that. Like, that was, that, yeah, I'm the same way. I have no fear of getting old, but I have fear of not being me, you know, not being able to take care of yourself. You don't blame Vera. You don't blame Vera. So then we might as well just jump into the first important question here, which is like the big, like, is, is this ultimately like an act of, if she were to have actually helped her commit suicide, which I don't think she did. I think it was truly, she has no culpability in this, 
but she would have like, you know, I don't, dude, I'm going to film on Louise. Please take me out into the woods and shoot me. If I'm like that <laughs> for cock and beauty's sake, please don't let me pee my pants and not be able to change them myself. Like that's all I want. Though. First time I poop my pants and I can't change myself. Just do me out. I can't have people doing that for me. See oh my now, God, Sam. I question, especially because of Dolores's past with her husband, I question whether or not had the mailman not walked in on her, I don't know that Dolores would have actually killed Vera if the mailman hadn't walked in. And more importantly, would it have been the right thing to do? Um, I think it would have been the right thing to do. Vera was begging to be killed. She was like, kill me. I don't want to live this way anymore. I'm tired of smelling old. She was ready. Oh, that line haunted me so bad. <laughs> Because we all know exactly what she's talking about. <laughs> yes. And I was like, I wanted to cry. Like, I wanted to, like, like I tell you what, that scene really worked. And and you're right. I 100% agree with you, Morgan. I think I would, I would, I think it's the compassionate right thing to do. Side note, I think she would have died before she got, uh, she mustered up the courage to kill her. I think so, too. She was, like, she was mortally wounded. Oh, totally. Yeah. I think it, I think she would have gotten off the hook either way. And I also, the only thing that I play with in my head, because I had this thought during that whole scene is like, now as a parent, you, you don't have kids, do you? No. Okay. So as a parent, like, I'm like, oh man, like, I don't want my kids to have to go through taking care of me like that. But on the same token, I could never ask them to do that. I'd like, fuck their shit up. <laughs> so now it's like, now I got to wheel my own ass out into the woods. And then, you know, somewhere they'll never find me. Like, yeah, thanks. So, like, on many layers, I was very emotionally moved. Because not only did I realize that I would be like Vera, but I would then have to also hide it and make sure I didn't put that on anybody. Because it's not fair to put that on. No, it's not. You'd have to pull a old Paul Sheldon and cheek your uh, pills and then just swallow a whole bunch of them one day. That's true. Because that's the way I think I'd do it. I would only have the nerve to do it that way. I know myself. I'm just <laughs> yeah. And you just like quietly fall asleep. I could never do it any like super violent way. Like throw myself down the stairs. Couldn't do it. No, me neither. Yeah, no. I am a... Like, I have a zero pain tolerance. Like, I could not throw myself down the stairs. I would need a push. You'd have to push me. I got you. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also know myself in my stupid clumsy ass. Like, I, with my luck, I'd be the person who, like, shoots my face off butt lips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would do that. That would be me. And I'd be like, God, I'd be like sitting there with no face cursing cock all day. And that's my life. So that's why I know, yeah, the pills is the way to go. I agree with you. <laughs> so, yeah. So, what's, what else do you guys want? Uh, there's so much. <laughs> there's so much stuff. Would you kill your husband? Yeah, in a heartbeat. <laughs> and and it's cool that this yeah. I mean, honestly, would you? Uh, she's so much better because she waited. I would have just heard it and I'd be like, you wait here, baby girl. Don't worry. If you hear anything, don't worry about that. I'm just, I'm just killing your father. Oh, yeah, same. I would own it so easy, too. I'd be like, all right, girls, mommy's got to go kill daddy. I want you to stay up here. <laughs> and just remember me as, you know, as I am now. <laughs> like, I would just matter-of-factly. And, like, I'm, my husband is literally a safe daughter, the kind of guy who goes out and gets our food for us, takes my obnoxious order of what treats I want, and then takes my kids to the birth store so I can sit here and do this. So it's so far removed from my reality because he is a saint on earth. But, yeah, without hesitation. Jackie? No. What? That's murder. I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't. I would, she, I would. She'd make me do it. 
Uh, no, like I would, I would just go. I would find the way to just, just disappear. I couldn't. I wouldn't murder. I guess. Arguably, the more appropriate answer. I mean, I'd probably get a shot in. Like you know, I'd, I'd, I'd maybe like want to crack him over the head with like a iron skillet or something. Like just, okay, I'd, I'd hurt him. him. I not. Well, I, think I wouldn't. <laughs> hit him, I wouldn't hit him hard enough to kill him. I would just, you know, give him a really bad headache for a couple of days. Or a cream pitcher, like in the movie. <laughs> there you go. See? Dude, when he fucking hit her with that piece of plywood, and she couldn't move, he, you, you're, you're married to a man, and it's 19... What, when does this take place? Uh, it's like, I think that this is in... That happens in the 50s, in like the late 50s. So you have such little option. You're a woman who fucking has no fucking... As the bank scene more than proves, drives home the point of just how little autonomy and rights we had at this time. He fucking cracks a fucking two by four over you, right? Then he's fucking alcoholic piece of shit. And then he's molesting your daughter. You're not going to at least have the thought I'm going to kill this motherfucker. I might have the thought, but I don't know. I don't know that I could. I mean, his life would have ended with the two by four, really. Oh, me too. Same here. I would have been like self-defense, bro. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really would have. I would have fucking taken that picture, smashed him over the head with it until he was dead. And then be like, oh my God, he hit me with a two by four. <laughs> oh, and another super powerful scene is where uh, when she does crack him over the head with the uh, with the creamer pot, and he's like, "You're gonna get it, bitch!" And then she just throws herself in front of him and is like, "Then do it fast and clean my body up so the kids don't see." Yep. Oh my god, she's so fucking gangsta. And so this is a good this is a good time to get into a debate that I know is coming with Jackie. I love Dolores's notion of taking her feminist power through the notion of being like a bitch like taking back the bitchdom right i absolutely love that that's a whole like premise of the book and the movie yeah i love it me too Uh, so i'm gonna uh, so i do think king might be guilty of a little mansplaining here but i don't think he's doing it in a malicious way i think he's actually really capturing a very real feeling for a lot of women but but Jack, so the quote is sometimes being a bitch is all a woman has to hang hold on to, and Vera first says it to uh, to Dolores. Dolores. Dolores then teaches it to Selena. They all drop the line repeatedly through the, the film and the book, I guess. Mm-hmm. And all I can do in those times is be like, preach. But Jackie, go ahead. You're giving me the eyes. No. <laughs> well, it's funny because we both sat down with our notes and we're like, oh, we both have the same thing written. And at the same time, while Marissa's loving it, I was like, it makes me, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't find empowerment in being a bitch. Like to me, that's not something that I would want to associate with empowerment, like with what the word means, with the way that the word is used derogatorily uh towards women mm-hmm. like to me that is not something to hang my hat on you know what i mean like i don't get behind i don't like that at the end of the day to me like it's boiled down to when you've got nothing else at least you can be a bitch i see where you're going but for me that statement means sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do yeah that's where that's i agree too and and i think that you're looking at bitch pejoratively and with that like patriarchal like stigmatism yeah. with it to me i think that when she, she says sometimes a bitch it's like sometimes not giving into them sometimes fucking keeping your head up when they want you to fucking bow down is all you've got right and like i know at least for me in my professional life and my world i have been so often 
put down by men or like been a fucking victim of their hypersensitivity because I am such an open and raging feminist that I get it. Like I agree with her that sometimes the only card I've got left, like when I walk out of a meeting and I've been mansplained and I've been shushed and I've been mocked for my, my beliefs and my, my opinions. And I think to myself, yeah, this is literally all I've got is to walk out of here with my head up straight and a fucking attitude. Right. I get that. I don't know if you know, but I work in like a predominantly man dominated field. I'm an electrician as my day job. Oh, wow. Okay. So I definitely hang on to that statement. Sometimes you have to be a high riding bitch to survive. Yeah, because I can't only imagine how many people assume you're not as at like good at your job. People assume that my helper is my boss. And I have to I have to I have to set the record straight constantly it's like no I know what I'm talking about I know what I'm doing just because I have boobs doesn't mean I don't know how to do what I'm doing yeah you've got me beat man I'm in teaching and I'm complaining you got a way more like tough field to survive in as a female each person has their own battles that they have to do oh preach sister (laughs) um no, yeah, I, I get where you're coming from, though. I think the, the the idea of bitchdom is so complicated and could be problematic. But my God, I love that quote. I'm gonna have it etched on my graves, uh, my gravestone. <laughs> it's pretty great. The other thing, like, I I loved the scene in the bank for a couple of reasons. I already said I loved it because it just really hit home how little power women had. But I loved when she was still able to flip the tables on him, and and I thought it was really clever that she was like. Like, what a ballsy woman to be, no pun intended, perhaps. <laughs> what an audacious woman to be like, I know for a fact that if the situation was reversed and I came in here doing that, you wouldn't have given me that courtesy. And she's right. Yeah. Like, her fierceness and her ability to not tremble under the power of these very dominant male figures, like the police and the bank, and just, I, I just am so in awe with her and like I love that and you're right maybe Stephen King shouldn't be speaking for us in that way but like I don't know I I thought every other aspect of of it was okay Okay. you know like I thought every other aspect of the way he wrote Dolores was was on point my only problem was that line I, my that that was my only gripe. Mm. That was my only my only gripe was that line but every other aspect of the way that he wrote Dolores the way that she you know when when Vera gives her the idea to, you know, say that accidents happen. Oh, fuck yeah. I got to be honest. I didn't see that. I didn't think Vera killed her husband. Yeah. I, I was like, oh, shit. Like, that was my big, like, because I kind of guessed the suicide thing. Kind of guessed she killed the husband in the well. And then I was like, oh, fuck, Vera killed her husband, too. And when she was walking around that party right after that reveal, I know that a good person would be like, oh, Vera's a murderer, not me. I was like, go, girl. Like, I was, like, singing uh, the Skyward Sisters in the background. Like, I was all into it. I just super love this strong. Uh, he wrote these two women so strong. And I really, I resonate with both of these women. I do, too, to be honest. I hope to be like a quarter of these women. Yeah, and I agree. And I, I, I have to admit, I secretly envy them for not giving two fucks what these guys think about them or like how everybody in the outside world perceives them as bitchy or hard or unlovable. Like, I love the strength they both have in not giving two fucks what anybody thinks because I wish I could be that way. And I'm not. I know that. I love, I love at the end when Selena is defending her mother and she was like, these two women love each other. Like, why else would you put up with somebody's bullshit for 22 years if you didn't love them? You know, if you did, like you, she had no one else. 
Her husband is dead. Selena runs away. Yeah. Like she, Selena's not around. So she has no husband, no daughter. She's by herself. Uh, Her community has basically, you know, pegged her as a murderer. So she's not popular in the community, but she's got Vera who has accepted her no matter what. Like Vera knows what's going on. Vera is the only one that knows the truth. And, you know, Vera takes care of Dolores just as much as Dolores takes care of Vera. And I loved that moment when she said that because I was trying to, like, kind of in my head, like, think of how to describe that relationship. And I didn't even land on that. And when someone said that, it's so perfect that, yeah, like, it's two of them, like, they love each other. They take all they have is each other and a mutual love grew out of it. And yeah, they're going to bicker and, and yeah, they're going to, like, nitpick on each other. But well, you I know love what? That like, like- yeah, I said I was going to kill her all the time. Ask anybody. Like, it's such a great understanding of how a relationship like that would work because, yeah, they were both bitchy at each other often and it worked for them. Yeah. Know? I have, like, a big bomb to drop. Like, the big difference in the book. Selena never comes back. She never comes to defend her mother. She never comes to visit. They keep in, t- in touch exclusively through letters and phone calls. You know what? It doesn't surprise me because I'm going to say something that I think you guys are, are not going to agree with me on. Mm-hmm. I kind of fucking hate her. Selena? Yeah. Yes. I did not like her character at all throughout the book or the movie. Yes. Yeah, uh, Jackie's noticed Selena is such a shitbag. <laughs> She's the worst. I know that you can't do this... I guess this is victim blaming. I'm not sure what this is, but you cannot sit here and act so goddamn ungrateful to a woman that did everything she could to protect you from a malicious man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because that's the entire time I wanted to bring, if I were fucking Dolores Claiborne, she'd be the third one on my fucking murder list because (laughs) literally it's, it's fucking mind blowing to me that at the end, she's not like, fuck mom, you literally killed that guy for me. I'm an asshole for repressing that. Right? Instead, she loses the love that she was trying to keep safe by killing the father. It's like, what? Could you just, like, maybe get over it? Yeah, I, I call bullshit on Selena. I really do. I don't know. I And it's so hard to watch as a mom because I got to be honest with you, and I don't like saying this. It feels very vulnerable because I'm so put up a, like, bitch-ass, hardcore feminist, like, facade those kids are fucking everything. Like my moon, my sun, my stars. And there is no limit to which I wouldn't go to protect them. Mm-hmm. And to think that you could be doing everything your whole life for them and their version of that, their narrative is so fucking different, really terrifies me. Like looking at Selena, I'm like, bitch, she literally fucking killed for you. Right or wrong, good or bad. She did everything she did for you. And you're you're literally going to fucking leave anyway? You leave her there? Literally everything. Literally. What are you going back to? The douchebag who's like fucking every girl at the newsroom? Like, you're an asshole. Right. Yeah. So that's my, that's my, I'll get off my soapbox now. No. Um, because, you know, screw her. I agree. I'm glad everybody else doesn't like her. Me too. I was nervous to say it. Yeah. My very, my very first note is busy, powerful, yuppie, living in the big city, trying to escape her small town roots. <laughs> oh. Can we also talk about the other big name that was in there? John C. Riley was in there? Oh my god, looking so young and adorable. I couldn't even believe it. I was like, oh, look how cute he is. He's not like... Old. 
I was going to say ugly, but I didn't want to say that. (laughs) Both of those things. He was adorable. Okay, so also, how did they not be able to find someone who could coach these people into a good main accent? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, these are all really talented, established actors. You have Christopher Plummer, John C. Riley, and Kathy Bates, who have probably all won awards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Kathy Bates, I thought, was fine. Yeah. But... Every time that Christopher Plummer said her name, and he kept calling her the last Clabon, the last Clabon, it sounded, I'm like, that's not her name. <laughs> uh, actually, in the book, everybody in the town calls her by the wrong name. Really? They just think that's her name. They, like, never bother to, like, she never bothers to correct him because she doesn't think it's important. They, yeah, they, they butcher her last name every time. Oh, that's so funny. Because they don't care enough to pay attention and then she doesn't care enough to correct them because, like, fuck them, you know? Exactly. The only person that uh, that gets it right is Vera. But also, I thought that why couldn't they have added the other two children? Yeah, like, that, to me, I feel like completely changes so much of the story. So so enlighten me with, with the other two kids. Um, The youngest kid is a little boy, and he... His dad is the moon and stars to him and wants to be just like him and this, that, and the third. And he's just really, like, devastated when the father dies. But the middle child is a boy, and um, the father does nothing but hound him and tell him he's a little shit. It's terrible. How, how You're so lame for getting good grades, this, that, and the third. And he goes on to be a successful Democratic um, politician. Okay. And that's basically it. But uh, he's, like, super glad that the dad dies. Because he hates his father. Hates him. But the number one thing that I thought was weird about the movie versus the book, they, like, really downplayed the money in the movie. A lot. Yeah. Like, Dolores, Dolores in the book, she makes $10 an hour. She makes a lot of money for that time. And when, she's, uh, when she uh, gets the money from the will, she's supposed to get $30 million. Wow. Yeah, because they, I mean, I was like, one million's good, but. Right? And essentially, it's like double to, if you think about it in today's time. Yeah. I mean, a million dollars, I still wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to turn down a million dollars. I'll still take a million. It might be nice to have 30, but I'll still take a million. I like how she donates it, the whole thing. Oh, see, that's not, that's not revealed in the movie. Oh, I thought it was right at the very end that she, it says that she donates all of that money. Did I turn it off too early? Oh, well, in the end of the book, she donates all the money to a children's orphanage. That's awesome. I love that. I love that idea. Because I think it fits so beautifully with the character. Um, I just, I don't know. Yeah, like, I love her sass. I love that she doesn't listen to any of them. Like, it's just so adorable. It played nicely into, like, I thought it was a very interesting look at some of the psychological issues that, like, as, like, a, a you know, counselor in training, I'm kind of obsessed with like the idea that she repressed all those memories. And then the idea that like, um, Dolores like had all these defense mechanisms and all this other stuff. But like, I really loved looking like at that alcoholism and like the fact that Selena was drinking and doing like popping pills, like so many pills. I didn't get it that she was popping pills. I got it that she was just so damaged that she was on, you know, just everything oh i got the i got the impression that maybe she was abusing them a little bit oh yeah or like too heavily yeah i thought that she was using them to cope with her feelings instead of dealing with her feelings yeah yeah and i mean i hope i don't know i i I see this is my one big gripe 
is that at the end I want, I, I, again, I need that hope, some sort of hope for like, you know, like I hate to think that Selena just goes off and does what? Like sits there drinking and popping her pills. Still, or is she going to get herself in counseling and get better? I have no idea. I don't know either, but I sure hope so. Cause that was some weird shit to watch. <laughs> is now, is there, I mean, you're saying that in the book, Selena only communicates via letter and phone. Is there a resolution of their relationship in the book? Never. Oh, see, at least the movie gives us a slight, a little bit, a little bit of a glimmer of hope for them. Maybe I don't want to read Dolores Claiborne. I don't want to be sad, like on purpose. Oh, it was like really sad. Like at the end of the book, I like mourned for all of Dolores Claiborne's losses. She lost everything. The only thing she has is like the one kid that, that like isn't like a total like I was gonna say disappointment but neither one of the kids that survives is a disappointment just doesn't hate her yeah that's I so it's funny because somebody said to me they're like well would you even consider Dolores Claiborne horror and I was like oh my god the most effective kind of horror because nothing scares me more than giving everything and, and and just losing it all like nothing scares me more than losing my kids' love. Nothing scares me more than being alone. Nothing scares like deep down. You know what I mean? Like Stephen King will prey on our real fears. Yes, and he will do a great job of putting monsters in there with them. Don't get me wrong, but what ultimately always tethers me to him as an author and as like my hero in writing and all, and my hero in horror is that he knows that what really what the real horror is is all character driven. Yes. People are the real monsters, as he says. Yeah, and and man, is he right. Also, Danny Elfman soundtrack, what? Yeah, I know. I got super excited when I saw that. <laughs> um, I, I only wrote that down because I knew you did. <laughs> <laughs> One of the last things to that I want to say is I don't understand. I feel like if I was Dolores and I was going through with her plan, I would have him go through the well, and then I would like call the cops and be like, my husband was chasing me. He was drunk, and then he fell through the well. Like, I would have, like, you know, not tried to hide that fact. Because I felt that made her look that much more guilty. I feel like I would have had him fall down the well on purpose. But then, you know, been like, oh, my God, he fell. Come get him. Because I feel like the other way around, how she did it, it does make her look guilty. I don't have, like, a good comeback for that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, I teach criminal justice as well as English. And I always joke with my students that my class should be called how to go get away with murder because we always joke that I'll be like, well, if you're going to actually try to get rid of a body and like they all laugh at me and always say that I'm teaching them how to commit crimes um, and not get caught. My answer to you is you're not wrong. I think she could have done a better job, but I also kind of technically feel like at the end of the day, she it, it was an accident. You know what I mean? And so maybe she didn't feel like she needed to be that overly dramatic. She just let him go missing. I don't know. Yeah, I'd have to think about it long and hard, but I think I could, I could come up with a better plan. <laughs> I can't admit how much I've thought this out already because he's in the next room. <laughs> um, anything else that we were missing? I mean, the only other note is she's thin in the book. That's not super important. And her house isn't like super dilapidated. Like she maintains her house. Well, that was one thing I didn't like because she was so OCD. Like she fixed like the little carpet when they walked into Vera's house. And like, you know, she was so upset when the room was all discombobulated. Like why would she let her house deteriorate so much? It made me sad. Oh, I took that as like, she, like her life was with Vera, you know, like that life, that house, that was her husband. That was her daughter. That was everything that's now gone. So like the house almost represents that 
part of her life. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And the fact that like it got so run down and it wasn't taken care of is, you know, a mirror to her life, her, her personal life, you know, her work life. That's where what that's what she could control. Yeah. And that's why it was so put together. That's what I took out of it. I like that. Hmm. Hmm. Um, also, I know this is really weird. And I don't know if I like it or if I hate it because it's so weird. But the fact that Dolores' husband always called her D. Like it was that very personal, like affectionate nickname. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like even in his like mean and drunken states, like the night of the eclipse, you know, he's making fun of her and he's like, I don't care about this fucking eclipse. And I mean, where are you going all this, this fancy meal and look at you. But he's like, D, come here, come, come look at this thing that you and everybody else wants to see. And just every time he kept calling her D, like to me, like there was just, I don't know why I wanted to pull some shred of affection from that and I don't know why I agree it's a little weird but it's also like to show like he wasn't always an absolute piece of shit agree like he fell in love with her for some reason yeah and I think it's also a a thing that something that Stephen King can't help himself in is to give his addicts and shitheads a little bit of pathos like, I think he can't help himself but to give them a little bit of, well, look, they're, they're still human. Because I agree with you. When he was like, get your ass out here, you're going to miss it. And, like, when he did call her things, and, like, there were moments of humanity in him. And I think that's more realistic. I mean, <laughs> the biggest pieces of shits I know, the most fucked up human beings, they still have their moments where you're like, oh, okay, you're, that was nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, so I think that's fair. And I think it was a very intimate thing that he had, like, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it also, like, made for that much more drama and tension in that moment you know it was so awkward they were also married for like 13 years it would be weird if they didn't have like a nickname or something cute between them it'd be hard to be in like the same uh, same house with somebody for that long and not at least be a decent human being every once in a while true even i have my moments um (laughs) any other notes thoughts ladies i loved it yeah me too how how every person in this movie didn't win like every award like blows my mind because everyone Everyone in this movie, no, that's a lie. Jennifer Jason um, Lee, I can take her leave. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really care for her as an actress. Uh, but Kathy Bates and what's his name? Who plays the husband? David. Oh, oh I can't think of his last that name. That guy, he's been in everything. He really has. I've recognized him in so much stuff. David Strathairn and Kathy Bates, how they both didn't win awards blows my mind. Like, they didn't win everyone. They were fantastic together. Like, he played a perfect horrible husband she played the perfect you know victim that that that, like can come back and be like yeah like when you had said that earlier morgan like you know if you're gonna kill me do it quick do it quick and do it now because this is your one chance and he didn't take his chance and guess what happened he fell down go boom (laughs) (laughs) that was my absolute favorite part of the whole movie when he fell down and went boom <laughs> no, when she said do it fast and clean up and make it so Selena doesn't see. Oh, okay. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Yeah, I, I love that moment because I think that she totally goes in my head from being kind of pathetic in that moment to being a total fucking badass. Like, oh, also earlier when you called her a gangster, you don't know this, but I am sitting in front of um, the Last Supper with all of the rap gods. I'm literally sitting in front of a whole bunch of gangsters. Oh my god! So I got a, I got a, my own personal, I got my own personal chuckle out of that. 
Oh my God. That's really funny. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I mean, any other thoughts? I just, I think these movies fit so well together and I was so glad to kind of put, give us, give ourselves an excuse to love, love Kathy Bates for a little while. Absolutely. I do have one note about Stephen King. Oh, go for it. What's up with all the pee scenes? <laughs> That's a good call. I can name like three uh, three books that have those scenes, and I'm like, I know it's to set the tone, but why did that have to be how you did it? Oh, totally. <laughs> You're so right. You're, I, I and it's always a woman. A man's never having to pee. No. Yeah. <laughs> It's delicate women. Um, <laughs> no, that's a good point, dude. You're right. That's funny. Um, yeah, I love, I can't wait to just do more, even more. Like, every time we do an episode on Stephen King, and we beat it into the ground, like, to the point where I was like, I'm taking a break from Stephen King, which is something I've never oh, said God, in my yeah. life. Between the book and the, the miniseries, and then the movie came yeah. out, and we spent did at least, all three. we did three, three or four months yep. of just nothing but Stephen King's It, and we did. We all kind of had to go... We need a break from yeah. Steven. We love you, babe. But like, we're going to put you on the shelf for a while. Yeah. So it was nice to come back. I'm glad we did. Yes. The first thing, the first Stephen King we ever covered on here was the very controversial Shining episode in which I declared that I did not like the movie. Not that I don't like the movie, but I don't like it as an adaptation. I didn't, I didn't care for that book or movie very much. Wow. Okay. See, you would have been a good ally on that show. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that the book was like, kind of like slow and it wasn't scary to me I felt like it was very repetitive the wife being like excuse me we need to leave because of our son and he's like of course and they don't leave and she's like but we need to leave because Danny's being weird and she's and he's like ah of course and then the last time he's like no we're not fucking leaving asshole <laughs> I know you're not wrong you're totally I agree I definitely agree and also if my kid were that weird I don't I don't know <laughs> I also really loved the the um the second book. I thought that book really made up for The Shining for me. Fucking love Dr. Sleep. I'm excited for the movie. I actually named my cat Abra because I loved that book so much. Yeah, no, I enjoyed that one a lot. I thought it was a really interesting sequel. Uh, it, like, didn't even go on the same beaten path as the first book. Which was the best choice to make, I thought. Yeah. I thought so, too. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. But again, I think I, I sometimes get guilty of, of being into the Stephen King deep cuts. You know what I mean? Like... I like the stuff that not everybody is gravitating to all the time. Although I will say that I, um, pound for pound will always go down on, on record as saying the stand is my all time favorite. I absolutely love it, but I also did like the stand. It's very good. Yeah. That like that book like makes me want to be a writer and a horror person and pretty much formed me as a, uh, you know, film critic. Um, we should totally do that mini series though. I'm fucking oh, love I'm that in for that. Yes, there. that is so good. <laughs> so, um, thank you again, Morgan, for joining us. Uh, please tell us where can we find you on the internet. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, on Google Play, iTunes, um, SoundCloud, and I. Um, I think that is all the platforms. But we also have a website, uh, MaximumMediocrity.com. So don't forget to check us out on social media. Just search Jersey Ghouls and you will find us there. And our podcast is available on pretty much every podcast app you listen to. Search Jersey Ghouls and you will find us. For our podcast, blog, movie reviews, and all-around good times, please check out our website, JerseyGhouls.com. And thanks again, Morgan. We cannot wait to bug you and make you come on and talk to us again soon. I would love to be on again. Thanks for having me, guys. No problem. No Thanks problem. for coming out. Bye. 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 <laughs>
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 